All right, good morning. Welcome to today's uh, WGO podcast. Going to get into a little different subject today. Uh, had band practice last night, and uh, my drummer told me a story of some craziness last weekend. And, uh, you know, as I listened to him tell me the story, I started to think about it. Uh, just think about something that I never really think about much, which is drugs and alcohol. Um, and long story short, because I got I to gotta make this quick, I'm actually having a storage issue on this phone today and trying to upload the video file so I can get my memory back. So I keep it short and concise today. But in short, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about drugs or alcohol. It's not a big part of my life, with the exception of I do have, you know, a couple of beers at night now. It's kind of a newer thing that I do, and it's mostly related to, you know, I like to play music. I like to um, have a couple of beers and make music. And I didn't really do that habit most of my life. In fact, I just started to play guitar a couple of, you know, probably three, three and a half years ago, maybe, something like that. Anyway, I've always been the same type of drinker. Uh, a couple beers, get tired, go to bed. Never a morning drinker, never a fan of day drinking or anything like that. I get tired. And I'm, you know, I'm sure I could push through to some other place, but I, don't, I never felt the need to. And at this point, I feel like I'm old enough to not go there. And the only other drugs that I've really been exposed to or liked in my life were marijuana and fucking cigarettes and tobacco. You know, and I, you know, for years in the 90s and early 2000s, you know, I was kind of a take a puff of herb all the time kind of guy. You know, not all day, didn't cruise around in dreadlocks or whatever. Not that, not that that's a problem, you can do what you want, but never went like a full down Rastafarian look or hippy dippy stuff. But always smoked weed back then. You know, always puffed and read, went to films, you know, enjoyed art. Enjoyed company, but it did, it did make me a little bit more antisocial, I would say, overall, which is one of my primary motivations for not being as interested in it these days. I just don't have the luxury of time to be antisocial. I need kind of be on point as a dad and as a you know family guy. I just need full power. I don't have any extra bandwidth, really. And I only bring it up, you know, and this is not about... Me, although it could be, I like I always try to be like, are you overlooking something? That's why I, you know, started out with you know, confession about the beers that I drink, you know, and uh, laying those cards down. And I just went through a, a dangerous tango with with cigarettes again last year. I don't smoke now, but I started out. I hadn't smoked in years. hadn't thought about it. When I had kids, I was probably the last time I dabbled was right around the time Jacob was born. And I remember looking at him when he was little. I'm thinking, oh, man, it'd be a damn shame to smoke cigarettes and get sick and die, and this little guy doesn't have a dad. That'd be a damn shame. So I quit and didn't think about him at all for years. In fact, it's hard to relate to the guy that did. Like, I couldn't visualize that guy or, you know, being on that road. But as, as time is going on, I um, you know, got a little careless, I guess, last year. It would be the best way to describe it and was uh, 
with a with a younger coworker. We were dabbling with a podcast then. Some, it was his podcast, so it wasn't something that was um, as much my interest at the time. I mean, I liked it, but I, it, I wanted to do something different when he brought me into the show. But long story short, I remember I was over at his place, and he uh, had a pack of camels. And I never smoked full-strength camels, but him and a friend lit their camels, and I was just kind of hanging out talking. I was like, yeah, let me have one, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, it didn't interest me. My lungs were so sensitive that I, I maybe inhaled two micro puffs of it. But that began a journey that I just had to kick again recently, like two months ago, because, you know, I started thinking it's no big deal, and then I would go to shows, and a friend of mine, another friend of mine smoked Marlboros, have a couple of his, and then, you know, next thing I know, every time we are going to band practice with the old group of the guys I was playing with, they smoked, so started smoking with them, and then on and on and on. Next thing I know, I'm sneaking out in the garage, hiding cigarettes all the time. And realizing that this can't go on, this is going to kill me. In particular, we're always worried about throat and neck cancer. And the strain that I'm feeling doing this podcast even in my throat area stresses me out. Like, oh God, did I, did I, did I fucking do it this time? I fucking got off the wagon and went down the road of cigarettes and created a throat problem. You know, I, I'm paranoid all the fucking time. So... Cigarettes is probably the most horrific addiction that I've ever had to suffer through because it it does kind of take over everything. When you're addicted to tobacco, you you're always plotting your next cigarette. Or you know, when I used to dip Kodiak snuff or what? Not really snuff. I never sniff that shit. That's a weird thing. But dip, we called it. Chew, chaw, whatever. You know, a few years did that too, and. Um, you know, you're kind of always subconsciously plotting your next tobacco infusion, your next nicotine infusion, or whatever the addictive components of it are. So in, in a way, if you lay it bare, it's pretty pathetic. It's like, Jesus, man, I mean, is my existence like 40% bandwidth subconsciously being taken up with getting my next fix of nicotine? That's pretty pathetic. So glad to have that dragon off my back, and I hope I'm wise enough to not go back down that road because... I don't know that I'll get another chance, you know. I think that if I got too deep into tobacco and cigarettes in particular again, it, it could kill me. You know, I could not be able to have the luxury of a year or two bender on it, you know. So, there's that. And with the pot, you know, kind of came back into my life a little bit last year. But it was never, a little went a long way for me and I just don't think I'm, I'm into uh, being high on marijuana. I just don't know if that's my thing right now. I, it doesn't, I, I think I like being in this state the most, which is focused, semi, you know, semi-healthy. And I say semi-healthy because I am going to have to tackle, I am going to have to tackle diets next and take that serious and anxiety and stress management on a different level too, because so, like yesterday, day before I felt like shit. And I'm walking every day. I don't overeat. I don't. I know I brought up alcohol, but I'm not overindulging. And the times I felt shitty were had nothing to do with alcohol. It was it was late afternoon, and it was it's what I'm eating. I think, or you know that, or my anxiety of you know trying to monetize these efforts like this podcast. 
so that I, you know, can prevent, you know, trying to avoid going and trading all my time for, for a few bucks again. That's what, great, you know, I, obviously I'm very likely going to have to trade time for money, huge chunks of time for money, which scares me because I know I need to be doing this project. This is what, this is what needs to be done. This is my work, my calling. And you need to do those things. You need to listen. You know, as Stephen Pressfield said in The War of Art, you need to sit down and write. You don't have a choice. And resistance to those efforts will, will destroy you. I believe, I believe that philosophy at some level. I, I think he's right about that. I don't think you have a choice. When you, your calling, your work exposes himself, the thing you know you need to do, and you don't do it, you suffer. It, it'll burn you up. So I'm glad that that book came into my life. Stephen Pressfield, The War of Art. Um, but at the same time, you know, I've got responsibilities as a family guy. And if the podcast and any other ancillary things related to this effort don't produce sufficient, you know, income every month, then I have no choice. I have to go work because I'm certainly not going to let my family suffer. Um, and I don't want to give this work up, so I'll have to do both. But anyway, getting back to last night and the catalyst for this talk today, the story that my drummer told me was quite different than any story that I've ever had, really. I've never gone to that place that he described. And, you know, I see him every week. We practice on Tuesdays, and I love him. He, I think he's a very interesting guy. Uh, he's always... You know, he's self-described himself as an animal when I first met him. And, you know, he's he could be extreme in certain areas. And some of the things that, you know, go down, you know, on different adventures. He and I have gone to a lot of shows together and stuff like that over the last couple of years. Gotten to know each other better. But, you know, he's definitely already always parties way more, way, way more than I do. And, and, and it's okay for me. He's not like, he's usually not incoherent like completely you know fucked up because I can't deal with that I can't be around somebody who's so fucked up that they're like you know you can't, they just yammer on and on and go whatever I can't deal that with that so with my bud he's always partied a lot harder a lot more and you know part of it you know I guess maybe I maybe I'm making excuses or rationalizing things I don't know I had to peer this back that's why I'm laying on tape but it seems like what I've seen, what my interpretation is that he describes a, a pretty insane childhood situation. And then getting back, you know, kind of get a little traction and waking up to a couple of things that were not good for him in his early 20s. And then having these large chunks of life where work has been tough. And, you know, you kind of, you know, he's doing doing a little of this or doing a little that to kind of keep going through the day, to kind of get through the day. And with the drinking, um, he described last weekend like a, a day where he was at an event, was drinking all day. S certain people or certain things at the event triggered him. And that's more of a psychological, there's stuff that comes out, right? All of us can have these moments, but if you add shit tons of alcohol and hot baking sun, it can get weird. And then that, for me, that kind of could have happened, you know, to any of us, right? You go out to a wedding or a party or this or that in a day thing, have a couple pops and, yeah, and maybe you get in a spat with somebody and 
you get a little heated, especially when you're younger or something crazy. And it, and it kind of runs its course as long as it didn't get too out of control. You're, you know, by dinner time, you're, you're fucking tired, you're done, and you're making some phone calls the next day, you know, re repairing some damage. At least that's my type of cycle, if I was even going to get hostile at all to begin with. I mean, we all get triggered, right? Alcohol can definitely cause people to get more triggered. However, he described not only getting triggered, but then this massive escalation over the rest of the evening. So instead of getting tired and passing out or falling asleep, it becomes more alcohol, more drugs, more everything. And then a second conflict emerges with a friend over something pretty petty. But you know, the lips are, people are saying things and other people get triggered and now you're, now you're really in an inflammatory, quite dangerous situation where things get escalate and get nuts quickly. And, um, and then he continues the way he described the story. Continues, now it's getting late. We're getting on midnight now, and it's continuing, and now there's yet another confrontation moment with, you know, a female friend this time. And then that escalates to the point where he's now punching stuff, and punching a mirror, he said. He caught his hand. Didn't even know he had damaged, he had done damage until he uh, sees blood, bleeding. And then... And then he has a, a fight there because of that situation. Then he decides he's going to get in his car, or truck, and drive to a pub his nose is open. And it, it continues there. More drinking, more of this, more of that, more drugs to you know, kind of stimulate it and keep it going. And yet again has another conflict with the quote friend there you know like somebody he knows and sees there and you know and then he eventually gets home and falls asleep and then he's got to deal with the next day so that is insanity to me like that is an area a place that that people go that i don't relate to it's i've never been like that so I wanted to put on tape today, uh, you know, at least have a little discussion on this topic from time to time because it's, I guess it's easy in the routine that I'm in and the level of substances that I consume, I consider to be moderate, um, other than getting maybe some, you know, sugar and being fat and beer and it fucking with my sleep cycles. I don't see it doing significant damage to myself or the family, but what the fuck do I know? You know, I guess when I hear a story like that and I start really thinking about the topic, I, I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe you should stop. Maybe you shouldn't have any at all and just see what effect that has. Maybe you'll lose 10 pounds. Maybe you'll get more done at night. You know, maybe instead of just music at night, you know, because this starts for me around 8 on most nights because I just not done with the kids and the family and the dinner and getting people kind of situated until 8, 830. Now it's getting closer to nine is the summer with everybody being home and everything. And then I'll crack one and with the, but it's not so much the beer. I'm looking to crack one and go play the music and start making that musical art and kind of getting in that space. Um, 
you know, but maybe if I didn't have the alcohol component, I could get higher level productivity with the music, better playing perhaps, and then maybe even get more things done from the daytime, like the writing and the follow-up videos and everything else that I'm really angry with myself about that not, I can't get done. And I'm literally thinking that the podcast will never get to where it needs to be for me to make a living off of it if I don't do this other work and then I don't do the other work and I hate myself over it. So I don't know. I don't want to blame the beers and the alcohol, but maybe I maybe I should not think it's an insignificant factor. Maybe I should, you know, maybe it would be useful to say, hey, that's the, uh, that needs to go to create an extra hour of bandwidth and a better sleep every night. So that, you know, that'll be a challenge that I'll have to work through. And uh, I like how Joe Rogan, I went and dug some Joe Rogan clips because he does feature guests that get into drugs. And they get into it from a lot of different angles and it's fascinating to think about. Um, but he does Sober October, he calls it, where he just doesn't indulge. For, I don't think he smokes pot either during that month. And... I don't know. It, you know, I guess I'm open for that now. As a result of the story that I heard last night, it kind of made me think, huh. I think it started this morning, too, for me. I got up a little early, and I was thinking, you know, I was up late last night, too, with the band practice was last night. We we'd get, we wrapped it up on by design earlier, and but I was still home, and my wife, you know, Kristen was up, my wife, when I got home, and we hung out uh, for a minute. Uh... So I probably went to bed closer to 1, I'm guessing, when it was all said and done. Woke up at 6.30. Oh, she explains the yawning now. I'm thinking about it. But I immediately was thinking about the story he told me. And I was thinking, you know, I kind of liked that that side last night that I saw. Like, he, he didn't drink at all last night. And didn't do any other drugs with the exception. I think he maybe smoked a little bit of pot and he, he still smoked cigarettes. Might have smoked a little bit of pot, but very minor. It wasn't like a lot of a lot. And um, yeah, I, I just think that in his case, alcohol. He just you know because I and I dug up a Jordan Peterson clip that kind of um, talked about this a little bit. But it's a type of drug, chemically, the way it reacts with the human body that you take it in. It takes you you know the energy curve ramps up. And then for people like me, it fizzles out and I go to bed and I don't fight that and I don't plow through that. Maybe with this guy, my drummer, maybe years ago he pushed through that threshold and that plus other drugs in the mix allows him to kind of keep going. So the, the, the alcohol need, and he's a big guy, so the, the alcohol level that he needs for a certain level of satisfaction is higher than mine. And then the nature of drugs, like the, I mean, the nature of alcohol, like when you let off the gas, it immediately drops, the curve drops. It's just, that's how it works with the biochemistry, apparently. And I was trying to dig up that clip. I wanted to share that with him, with him in particular. There were people talk about that. but So they get to this plateau with alcohol, and then they have to keep drinking at a pretty high level to maintain that plateau. And that's where the Viking warrior side of him comes can come out. 
and can get triggered into that mode, which is highly destructive to himself and others around him. And it's just not good on any level. And I I sent him some stuff this morning, and I was like, I don't want to be too preachy, you know, I don't, because he doesn't like that either. He's mentioned that the people, when people nag him about stuff, it it bothers him. That can trigger him. And who am I to say something to somebody about drinking if I'm having beers? And I even said in one of the text messages, I was like, hey, man, if you want to quit bringing beers to practice, I'll do that. I mean, the the band can go on without, it's not alcohol-fueled music. You know, it, it has been, you know, but it doesn't have to be. It can be about everything, including not doing that. So, you know, we'll just see. I just want to put it on tape today about it. Um, with my kids, I've, I've already started the discussion, like, about sugar, because they love sugar, right? And I think that that can possibly be a precursor to craving things and craving things that are not good for you. And I, I do like how Joe Rogan frames it, that, or in his friends, that you probably shouldn't be doing a whole lot of any of that stuff until you're after 25 because your brain's not fully developed. And the kids are just so wonderful and beautiful now. I'd hate for them to drown anything and start trying to escape reality or something because they they seem to have such a good reality. And I just want to keep pushing myself and pushing us as a family to be all that we can be, if you will. And, And not need to get fucked up. But, you know... Am I setting a good example if they see me having a beer or two every night? Probably not. Because you know, then they're going to be, they're going to obviously want to imitate that and do that. And I, I guess I don't want them to do that unless I know for a fact that they could do it moderately and not destroy their lives and they can step back and, and reflect on their behaviors and, and, you know, be honest with themselves and the world about it. And I'd rather them not do it at all then. And, you know, my wife likes pot. And I don't want the kids doing that either until they're much, much older. And, I, again, I don't want it to run their lives. I don't want them to feel like they, you know, we, I used to joke when I was in the 90s with a guy I worked with, we called it getting normal. I was smoking a little herb to get, get quote, normal. That's, that's ridiculous. I don't want that now. I mean, you shouldn't need to all... I don't know. It seems flawed to say you got to take a substance to get up in the morning and live your life. It's like maybe there's something else going on there, right? Like I know, I, well, I know in my case, and, then, and when I was younger, and again, this is the early '90s. This was probably right around 1990, actually. Yes, I'm old. And I had my quote first when I started to f- start f- sprouting work wise. I could have glimmers, rays of sunshine where I started caring about the job I was doing and being aware of what it mean, meant to take care and work hard. But that came after I quit smoking weed all the time. I, I was, I remember I had, I had my first love and. I had an abrupt change of lifestyle. I just quit smoking weed, and I think I quit drinking. I think I was more or less not partying, if, if memory serves me right. 
and it made me a better worker. I remember learning that lesson. Like I was like, all of a sudden, I could, I had more stamina. I was able to do more. And when I'm stoned, I wasn't. I mean, when you're, especially when you're young, you just flopping around. I remember one time I put these parts. I'm supposed to wrap these parts. I just put them in a box and put some paper in there. Like I didn't even try to think about what it was to do a good job, and didn't definitely didn't have my head in the game. And you know, with Jacob now, I'm trying to teach him my, with my son how to do the dishwasher for me. For me, because the lesson is to have your head in the game and to do it right, and not just throw the dishes in and break them, or not complain about doing the work. And realize that this is the nature of work. It's like you, you you dig in and learn how to do something, and you have to work on you know discipline to stay focused. You have to. Yeah, it is. It's a thing you have to work on. You have to to be a good worker and a good contributor to society is not easy. It's not. Nothing's really easy. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting what that story he told awakened in me. You know, it wasn't three or four months ago, I, you know, I was in that same space we were last night with our music, and I would inhale five, six cigarettes. And I let that go, knowing that, okay, I can't keep doing that. But I haven't had a serious discussion or serious thought in my mind about not having any alcohol at all. I guess, for me, I feel like it. You know, it, there is a cost. There's a financial cost, too. I mean, it's not free. <laughs> And the kind of beer I like is not cheap. You know, it, it's easily a six, seven dollar a day habit. I think, but let's see. Two or three, and it's like 10 to 12 pack for the stuff, stuff I like. So what is that? If it's, uh, call it two bucks a beer. Two times four is what, eight? No. Sometimes it's as high as four bucks a beer, then four, because these four packs of pints that are closer to four. So if you have two of those, four times two, eight bucks, yeah, I mean, six to eight bucks a day. And 10 bucks a day for 30 would be 300, so it's 200 bucks a month, easily. Wow. Wow, I don't ever even think about that at all either. I certainly don't think about it like that. Yeah, so, hmm, I got I've got work to do there. I've got work to do there. You know, I just uh, I guess I don't think it's a factor. And when I hear somebody tell me their story, I don't understand how they get to that point.
you know, because I've never been, I've never let it get that get that far. But I'm not trying to say I'm superior or better. I just, it's just different. So yeah, I gotta head back to the house. We got some appointment here in a minute with the kids, and. uh Yeah, let's just try to be better. I'm kind of humbled right now. I'm kind of, uh, you know, embarrassed to put this on tape, hesitant to put it on tape. You know, it exposes some weakness, and it's not the normal economic discussion that I get into. Um, I still, you you heard on the tape, I'm still struggling with trying to trade all my time for money. And then as I'm talking about remembering the first time that I uh, stopped any kind of... uh, substance abuse or substance use that I had my first breakthrough work-wise so it's weird it's interesting to, to have that's those it's there's a lot to, for me to think about with that and break down and, and try to remember and recall and you know and, you know I'm like sitting here saying am I a good worker you know am I am I as good as I think I am the last 10 years I think since 2004 I've been a pretty damn good worker I mean flawed and definitely always wanting to do this so I've been, you know, fighting myself the entire time. But um, I would say that I'm a good worker. You know, I was in the process with the job I just got laid off from of really trying to contribute at a high level. You don't understand it, but maybe I'm not. And maybe it's due to things that I don't think are a factor. It's all stuff that, that can be looked at. can get better. All right, y'all, have a good day. Love yourself. Try not to be too hard on yourselves. And let's, you know, I have to say that because we can be real tyrannical with ourselves sometimes. Take her easy, man. Love you. Bye.